Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'm on a journey of discovering what loving oneself actually looks like. I want to invite you into my process, hear some of my crazy stories, as well as hear some amazing people with wisdom and insight give their take on what it looks like to love yourself well, and in turn, be able to love people well too. Come on, let's go. Well, hey everybody, it is episode nine, which is crazy town, episode nine, which isn't that far, I guess, ahead, but it is for me. It feels like an accomplishment that I've been doing this uh, in a row, and I just want to go ahead and say I wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for my friend Amy, who's just amazing. She approached me and offered her services to help me with the tech technical part of all of this, which is totally out of my wheelhouse. So uh, she has made it seamless and really easy. And I just wanted to give her some honor uh, via vocal over over the podcast itself. So uh, thank you, Amy. You're the best. She's also single, guys, and she's amazing. So fellers, if, there's, if, if men even listen to this, hey, guys. <laughs> And she edits these, so hopefully she won't edit this out. (laughs) Anyway, um, I had been thinking about, like, just obviously relationships. It's typically what this podcast has made itself about. Um, And I was thinking, you know, I'm 38. I know I say that all the time, but I'll say it again. I'm 38, and I am single. And I would say, you know, I have dated a lot as far as, like, dates, quote unquote dates. I've gone on lots of dates that have not ended well. And I know I've said this so many times, which is obviously why I'm still single. One didn't stick. But I will tell you that there have been times, moments throughout my life where I have experienced love or have felt love um, for someone in the umbrella or under the umbrella of relationship. And what I've decided to do is talk about these four loves And talk about the stories behind them and talk about who they are. I will, of course, not name names if I can help myself um, and try to paint a picture about my experiences with love, even love that wasn't returned or love that wasn't, you know, um, shared. I guess you could say the story I'm going to talk about today seems to be like a love that got missed. Um. And others was, you know, one of them's my my first real love, my first relationship uh, that I was in. Uh, another was a, a friendship. And another one was just a wild whirlwind romance where I almost got married once. So um, if you want to stick with me, uh, episode nine is going to be uh, the story of just the first time I think I experienced love in a romantic way, at least feeling feelings of love for someone in a romantic way. So if you listen to some previous episodes, you know I'm Canadian. We moved to the United States when I was a teenager. I believe I was either 13 or 14. I can't remember now. It's been many moons. But it was, I think I was going into the eighth grade. So I don't know how old you are, 14, 13. Anyway, that we'll just leave her there. That that's the age. So if I could paint a picture, we left the maritime provinces of Canada and moved to the plains of the Dakotas in the United States. It was completely opposite from anything I was used to. I was used to forests and oceans and 
uh, beautiful scenic views of their own right and uh, fish and seafood and a very heavily Celtic influenced community. Um, that sort of a thing is how I grew up. Music is very important. Uh, community, well, maybe important. Uh, everyone loved my family. I'll say that my great my grandfather was a funeral director in the town that I was born in, and he was well known. He was a very influential man in town. My family's name carries a lot of weight to a lot of people to the point that when I go back to visit today, um, one of the connecting things that local people will ask you is what's your father's name? And typically I will tell them my father's name. They do know my dad, but for the most part, I will connect them to my mom's side of the family, which is my grandfather. And people know who I am. They know my family's name. They know who my grandmother is. They know who my grandfather was. And, um, we picked up and moved across across country and across borders. And uh, it was completely different in the Dakotas, completely different. It was wide open plains and huge skies. Um, the people were quite reserved, but so kind and so loving and so down to earth. So there were some similarities. There were also just some huge differences. Uh, people pride themselves on working very hard there in the plains of the Dakotas and also being um, hard workers like they my gosh they they're responsible they you know plan um, they are consistently preparing for the what ifs of uncertainties in in ranching and farming so uh, that's one of the, actually one of the things that we got to experience when living in the Dakotas uh, it was in April, and we experienced the storm of the century, which is wild. And it was really sad. Um, it Out in the Dakotas, it's so dry. So there's no humidity in the air. Uh, your like, car doesn't rust. like Things like that that you're kind of just used to seeing if you've ever lived anywhere with a lot of humidity. Um, it doesn't do that there. So uh, the snow is not a compact snow. When it snows, it doesn't. Like, it's hard to kind of make a snowman. Like, it's not a wet snow. I don't know if that makes any sense. But it's not like a compact wet snow. It's hard to make snowballs. It's hard to, you know, um, you don't get soaked. It's just a weird, different kind of snow because there's no humidity in the air like in other places. Um, so when it does storm, uh, it creates these, like, drifts of snow. Like, the wind is howling and blowing. There's no trees to break any of the wind or the weather. So when there's a huge dump of snow and it's like windy and howling, they create these massive drifts that like go through the road or go through your house or go, you know, like you name it. And it is disorienting. So there was this snowstorm. I want to say, I don't know, April of 1990, fill in the blank, April of 1993 or something, 94. Um, and it uh, just dumped a bunch of snow. And my aunt, uh, Kendall was visiting from Canada and my dad had told her before she came like we're having great weather you should come you should make sure to bring short sleeves you don't need your jacket and then it like dumps this massive snow like just dumps it so anyway um it created these massive drifts and uh <laughs> and we were powerless we had no we had no power for for days and there was no heat for days um, 
uh, cattle, the way I've had it explained to me is, is cattle are pretty, pretty docile individuals. They're a little, they're a little on the dumber side in a sense of when there's a herd of cattle or cows, they will typically like walk with the wind. Um, so in this like massive snowstorm that came, not only did it bring these like bizarre, huge drifts of snow where you could have like a dusting of snow and then five feet over it was a snow drift of like 20 feet. Um, and they were going across the roads. They were going, like I said, we had one going right through our house. Like we couldn't get out. It was like right in front of the doors. So we like couldn't, we had to like shovel ourselves out. And, um, these cows will walk and these poor ranchers, their livelihood is wrapped up in like how many cattle they own and, you know, their herds and all of that. And some of these farmers, man, their cows were in a whole herds just walking themselves off of cliffs because they were walking with this, the wind and um, they were losing everything that they owned, everything that they had invested in a matter of a couple days. So I can remember them having to have suicide hotlines available for these ranchers because so many men were losing all of their livelihood. And I can remember my dad <laughs> saying to me, like, hey, let's get dressed up. You and I, we're going to walk. We're going to go to the uh, we're going to go to the store. We're going to walk to the gas station and see if we can get some supplies. And my mom was cooking on a kerosene heater. So we needed kerosene and she cooked everything. My mom's like she needs to go out to the tundra. She could survive. She she made macaroni and cheese. She made lasagna on the top of that thing. She did all kinds of stuff. It took her, it took her all day, but she did it. And we were just kind of like running out of some supplies. And I think being a middle child, I always tried to like connect with my dad. And my dad was a hunter. He was a fisherman. He was just kind of like an outdoorsy man. And so I found myself leaning that way where I was strong. Um, I, you know, I got a, I got a longbow for my ninth birthday <laughs> and I would like go out and like target practice and, you know, I like won some contests and stuff like that in it. And so, um, I considered myself kind of like this tough, tough tomboy, I guess, if you will. And, uh, so my dad said, go get dressed. We're going to like really bundle up. And I mean, he, I was in snow pants like I had this crazy pullover snow jacket, mittens, scarf wrapped around my head, a ski mask on, you name it. And it took us, because of the drifts of snow, it took us three hours to walk to a store that was like, I don't know, typically 15, 20 minutes away. And uh, there was a farmer, a rancher that was there at the convenience store when we made it. And he was in a, he was driving in a tractor and he took pity on us and drove us home, which was really kind. But I remember being like, I have to go with my dad because I'm the next strongest one. Like my mom's not strong. My older sister is not strong. And Judah was too little. He was just like four or five years old. Right. So I was taking on this like masculine responsibility to like, I can do it. If anybody can do it, I can do it with my dad. And so I feel like when when that sort of thing kind of settles in you, you in order for you to typically take on one, you reject the other. Like you, when you're like in the seventh or eighth grade, you have no wherewithal to be like, I can be both. Like typically they, you know, your, your people who love you will feed the thing that they think you like the most, right? So like for instance, me being like a little bit of a tomboy, I got a 
longbow for my birthday for Pete's sakes. Like I was always getting paid to like take care of dogs and like I was doing like, you know, not girly things. I didn't have dolls at that age. I didn't, you know, I was trying to like figure out who I was at this like weird age of like 14 years old, right? And so anybody who's 14 knows you got like weird haircuts. When you're a girl, your body's going through all kinds of nonsense. You're crying. You don't know why. You know what I mean? Like, you know, your your like body shape is changing. You don't know what's happening. And like that, that was all happening when I was in South Dakota, you know, and now I'm surrounded by a bunch of kids who are like these farmers these kids are super responsible. Everything that they're gearing themselves toward is to like take over the family farm or go to college or like do all this stuff. You know, when they're like 14, I'd never thought of college before until I moved there. I didn't even think it was, I could, I could, I didn't think it was for me, which is crazy. Um, cause I ended up going back to school anyway and getting my degree and all of that. But I didn't think that was an option until I, until I lived in the Dakotas. But uh, there was a boy in our church and I won't mention names. I'll really try hard not to mention names, but man, he had the most beautiful blue eyes and the longest eyelashes I've ever seen, even to this day, naturally. And I just want to say, isn't that just a bummer, ladies, when like beautiful long eyelashes are wasted on boys? It makes me so mad sometimes because they don't even care. It'd be different if they cared. They don't even care. Um, Anyway, and I had the biggest crush on him, like the biggest crush. Like he was the cutest guy in school to me. Like he was funny. Um, He was super smart. His parents owned a ranch. They came to our church. I just, he just had, I had a massive crush on him. And uh, I was friends with him and I had another friend Uh, in the church as well and we were the three of us it was we were the only ones in the age group like we were it we were we were all in the same grade and uh, this guy and my friend had literally grown up from diapers together they've known one another their whole entire lives and uh, I didn't you know you're not thinking about that either when you're in the eighth grade and so um, man I couldn't shake it. I We lived out there for two and a half years and I liked that guy for two and a half years and was always a chicken, would never say anything because I thought I was tomboyish. I wasn't girly. I didn't find myself um, delicate or elegant or uh, princess type material. I felt, I found like I was stumbly and my you know I was accident prone (laughs) I like fumbled all over the place you know what I mean I was loud I you know didn't ever think that anyone like him would like me you know and so I just did what anybody else would do and just kept it to myself to the point that I can remember being at a party like a sleep slumber party and girls were like, who do you like? Who do you like? You know, and you're kind of telling. And I totally lied and said I liked this other kid that I didn't. But that's how fearful I was that they would find out who I really liked. So that was like under lock and key. No one had any idea. And my dad made the announcement that we were moving to Indiana. And I was a freshman in high school, I think, or going into junior. Or it doesn't matter anyway. I was in high school. And <laughs> my dad made the announcement we're leaving he's they've the denomination that he was a pastor for asked him to go uh, to another church and so he accepted and I was devastated because 
we just, my sister and I came alive in the Dakotas. We just loved people, accepted us with open arms. We loved them. They loved us. Like we, I didn't ever think we were going to be leaving, especially like that soon after we had moved there. And um, I was hoping to graduate from that school. I only, my graduating class had 38 people in it. That was it. And I think there was 250 people in junior high and high school altogether total. And um, I can remember just being devastated. You know, my little like teenage girl heart of like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I ever going to get out of this? What am I going to do? You know, and so we exchanged letters. We did all kinds of stuff, me and my friends. And I can remember uh, we moved to Indiana and one night my sister and I knew that they had youth group on Wednesday nights and that they were having that at the the house that the church owned where we used to live. So we knew that on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. all of our friends would be in our old house. And one night my sister and I decided to call and oh my gosh they answered and everybody got to talk to one another and we had so much fun. And lo and behold, who is that youth group but this guy that I just had a massive crush on for the longest time. And I'll never forget, somebody said, um, hey, Bethany, wait, so-and-so wants to talk to you. And I can remember being like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to throw up in my mouth. <laughs> like I was beside myself. It was so innocent and so sweet. And lo and behold, it was him. And he confessed that the whole entire time we lived there, he liked me. Which felt like a blow all of its own. I can't even describe to you what that felt like to my little teenage heart. There is now this love of mine that I had that was reciprocated and there was nothing I can do about it because you're a minor and you live states away from one another. And we, I think we exchanged a few letters and I have, I loved whales. And I remember I got a card in the mail once and it was, there was, there was whales on it and it was from him. And anyway, there was just so many, um, so many things that happened when you're, you know, in high school. I can remember flirting with him. I remember him coming over to our house and we broke my brother's Stretch Armstrong and then hit it together. We like had to come up with a plan, hatch a plan to like, how can we say this was an accident when it was him and I like, you know, the tension of liking one another and not knowing it. So fast forward, we moved to Indiana. Life goes on. You know, I'm graduating from high school. And the thought came across my mind of like, I wonder how he is. Like, I wonder what's going on. And I heard he was going into the military he was going into the Air Force, actually, to the Air Force Academy in Colorado. And I was like, man, I wonder if I could connect with him, like just an old friend to see how he's doing. So I think I reached out to our mutual friend and she sent me an email address and I sent him a couple emails, maybe wrote him a letter or two. And that was it. Didn't think about it again. Didn't hear anything again, you know. And... uh yeah. And so kind of like shrugged it off like, well, I tried. I think he might have responded a couple times via email. Didn't didn't seem like much of anything, you know. And uh, at this point, I started to date a guy that I dated for six years. We almost got married. Um, I've talked about him before. And so kind of put that whole thing away. And I can remember when I was, just to make a correction on my other one, I, I wasn't sure I said that I broke up with my 
ex-boyfriend and I was 26. I was actually 25. So just to just <laughs> clear that up, I was 25 years old. We broke up and I can remember just being like, gosh, um, that wasn't anything. I got to figure out what I want in someone. You know what I mean? I got to figure out what I'm looking for in someone. And my mind floated back to this high school love of mine, you know, and I can just remember being like, I wonder what he's doing right now. Didn't think about it. Facebook was a brand new thing. Just kind of floated, a, you know, kind of made its way, uh, swept over as far as a big um, viral thing. Everybody was getting Facebook. And I can remember getting a Facebook friend request from him. He found me on Facebook. And I can just remember being like, oh, my gosh, he found me. I got to see pictures of him. And I panicked because he was so cool. Like everything about this guy was so cool. He like, he went on uh, like peace missions to like Haiti, and there's all kinds of pictures of him holding little children, and and he's scuba diving in the tropics, or he's rock climbing in Asia, or he's skiing in Switzerland, or he's going to Ireland for St. Patrick's Day. He's just like living the best life ever. And I can remember immediately just being like, oh, gosh, I am, again, I'm not caliber to this. Like, my goodness, he has just gone on to be something so amazing or so that's what Facebook says, you know. And isn't that the truth? Like, we're just getting the highlight reels of everybody's lives, right? And I was just like, oh, gosh. So I got totally timid again. Like, man, that's weird. Like, he he's so great. He just wanted to connect with me because we were old school friends, you know, and left it at that. And I can remember talking to our mutual friend who's a really good friend of mine still. And uh, we were talking one day and I was telling her about my breakup and she just said, you know, it's going to be OK. And and, you know, God's got somebody for you. And she's trying to encourage me. And I just so happened to ask her, hey, have you heard from? you know and that's what we'll call him and uh she said yeah I have he's you know in the military he's doing good he's in the air force academy blah 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 blah. I said awesome I said like what do you think about him like how has he been like what do you think and I was kind of gearing toward like what do you think about me reaching out to him and she quickly just kind of like very friend friend I love you I'm gonna do the hard thing and be your friend and she just kind of cut it and said he doesn't like girls like me and you and I was like cool cool yeah yeah you're right you're right right and totally not knowing what she meant by that took on what I assumed she meant by that so I assumed she meant I'm plus size I'm not cool like that (laughs) I'm not like a world traveler like he is all of the things that make him look so amazing he's really into health and fitness I am not He, you know, at that point, I wasn't traveling yet. He's traveling all over the place. We're just living different lives. So I just totally scooped that up, set that right in my heart of like, he doesn't like girls like you and me. And so anyway, I just let it go. Let it go for years. And every once in a while, here I'm in my 20s, and every once in a while, I just thought would come up of like, man, I wonder how he is. I wonder how he's doing. I like could never shake um, that like first crush ever experience. And so I can remember a few times reaching out to him just on Facebook, like sending a message like, hey, 
how are you? What's going on with life? What's blah, 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 blah. And he would respond very kindly. Hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, he's doing all these amazing things. I think he's even in the Guinness World Book of Records. <laughs> like, that's how cool he is. So anyway, you know, he's literally doing amazing things. And so I just would would hear that just reverb in my ears, man. You, He doesn't like girls like you and me. It's, right, 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 right. Anytime I felt like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to put myself out there. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I would just haul back. No, 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 no. And so this was years later now, years later. I, um, my friend is getting married. Our mutual friend, the girl, the girlfriend. She's getting married. And I'm going out to South Dakota to see her, be in, see her wedding, like be there. And before the wedding, we go out. And uh, I go out to see her and just wedding planning and just getting to spend time with her. And it's become a place of, of relaxation and reprieve for me to be able to go and charge down and, and just relax. And I would go out there and help her do cattle drives, which is a joke in and of itself because I don't know what I'm doing. And they would just like put me on like a four wheeler. You know what I mean? I couldn't even be trusted to be on a horse. They just put me on a four wheeler and I just ride around like I was doing stuff, but I wasn't. So anyway, um, I was out there just visiting. She's now engaged. We're talking about weddings. I just happened to go see his mom and visit with her for a long time, have such a good time. And she just says, you should come and stay with us when um, you come back for the wedding. I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. She was like, yeah, it would be fun right now. You know, is not able to come to the wedding so he's you know he's you know on call or whatever they do on duty I don't even know I don't even know the term for it he's somewhere because they made him they made him go so he's somewhere he's not able to come for the wedding uh it'd be really fun if we could host you and I was like perfect let's set it in motion we'll do that and I just was on a high of like ah, I love his mom his mom loves me this is so much fun you know and the wedding comes I'm on my way and guess who shows up? Guess who's there at the wedding? But this first, this first crush, shmush, shmush, shmush. And I can remember being so overwhelmed with like, oh my gosh, he's here and he's a man and he's beautiful and his lashes are still long and his eyes are still blue. And I can remember just being overwhelmed all over again. Like I was, there was however many years difference. I think I was 20, 26 or 27 when she got married. So you're talking like, you know, 10 years difference of just this same rooted feeling, you know? And I couldn't get a vibe for him only because I kept hearing in my ears, he doesn't like girls like you and me. He doesn't like girls like you and me, you know? So he and I ended up spending quite a bit of time together through the wedding, through the reception. And then after the reception, it kind of ended early. And he and I went back to his mom's house and, you know, got in our like comfy clothes and ate ice cream on the floor. And I went through all of his old school photos and we just had a good time. And I can remember at one point, you know, we were like laughing and talking about old stuff. And he just looked at me and he said, why did you leave? And I can remember just going like, I don't know. I wish I didn't, you know, but I'm looking at this man telling him like I was a teenager. Like I had I had to leave because my, you know, my parents were leaving. I couldn't, you know, I was a minor. What are you going to do? And it kind of gave me a little bit of hope like, oh, my gosh, 
like he wanted to know what happened, you know, like this very weird kind of conversation. And um, of course, our parents came back. My parents ended up coming to uh, to the wedding. And yeah, and they came back and we kind of cut that conversation short and just ended up spending the rest of the evening together as a group, just laughing and having a good time. And uh, that was it. He and I texted a few times back and forth. That was it. And um, yeah, didn't hear from him again. That was it. And the next year I came back out to visit my friend again in the Dakotas. She was a newlywed, her and her husband. And I was visiting and had a good time. And I was driving back to Chicago. And she just happened to say last minute, hey, um, would you let me come back to Chicago with you? I have a really good friend I want to visit. I could drive back with you and then I could just fly home. And I was like, yes, that would be amazing. That would be so much fun. At that point, I think it was a 13-hour drive and I would literally drive to the Dakotas and just work out all of my problems. Like all lives, the whole world's problems I would solve in this 13-hour drive. Like to South Dakota by myself and back. I would make myself CDs and just listen to my like travel to South Dakota CDs. Um, Anyway, so she decided to come back with me and in the car we just talked and talked and one of the things that I asked her was, so tell me about your story. Like, I want to hear you and your husband's story, like the details of it. Like, we would talk back and forth on the phone or via email or whatever, but I wanted to hear the door, the story. So over the, the course of the last couple hours, she painted this beautiful picture of just how they met and what she, he wasn't what she expected. She wasn't what he expected. And they found one another and it was beautiful. And so I was just delighted. Like, I loved her. I was delighted. And I can remember driving and she just looked at me and she said, have you ever thought about you and getting together? And I was stunned. Like, and I said, well, of course, like many times, many times I've thought about that. But do you remember a conversation we had and you told me, Oh, he doesn't like girls like you and me. And I saw her sink in her chair in in the passenger seat. And she said, oh, Bethany, I have to apologize to you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, what? And she said, I said those things because I liked him. I had liked him for years and years since we were little kids. I liked him. And all of those years, he would come home from the military on leave and he would talk about you. And I just sat in my chair, absolutely dumbfounded, like dumbfounded. I could not believe what she was saying. And it even had nothing to do with that she liked him. It more so had everything to do with that all along the thing I was feeling wasn't by, I wasn't by myself. I had, I kept thinking, man, this is crazy. This is stupid. This is nuts. I'm, you know, I live in different states and he's all over the world and he's really cool and I'm not that cool. And he, you know, and I kind of had put this, put him on a pedestal and painted him to be like this superhero of a being, you know, when I was just this like lowly little dirty kid, <laughs> like, like to touch mud and stuff. You know what I mean? And what was so crazy was the narrative that I had written in my head was not true. And so she proceeded to tell me multiple of occurrences when he would come back from leave. They would get together to go horseback riding or whatever. 
and he would bring me up. And at one point she said, like, oh, you keep talking about her. Like, what about her? Who like, so what? Like, so if she what were to happen if she were here? And he said something along the lines of like, I would have married her. And so to hear I was so flooded with like overwhelming, like, what in the heck is happening? Like, what are you talking about? Because it was combating everything that I had told myself for years. So if you could imagine telling yourself the sky is purple every day, I wake up and the sky is purple every day. And then every once in a while, you're like, oh, I keep hearing the sky's blue, though. Like, maybe it's blue. And and you're like, no, 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 it's purple, it's purple, it's purple. And then somebody who would know, like somebody who would know better than anyone else came to you and was like, hey, psst, the sky is blue. Like it would rock your world because the thing that you've been thinking has been wrong this whole entire time. I have literally been thinking the wrong thing for 12 years. Like I had a crush on this guy for 12 years. And for the most part, it was reciprocated. And I had no idea because I didn't ask for myself. And yeah, so he since went on to get married and and that sort of a thing. So let me just preface with that. I'm not sad. I'm not sad that I'm not with him. Let's preface that. I am in love with Jesus. I have like I've gone on to do such fun and amazing things and so many adventures. I meet so many people and I love living in Nashville and I love the people I'm with. So please don't misunderstand me that this is a story of regret. But what it is, is I want to be able to share with you if you find yourself talking to you and convincing yourself that something isn't, when there is a possibility it is, can I just encourage you to be the bravest you can be and just come out with it and don't ask anybody else and don't ask anyone else. You know, I, I just want to encourage you, if that makes sense, to go right to the source, to go right to the thing and say, hey, this is crazy. But this is what I've been thinking. This is what I've been feeling. And get it right from the horse's mouth. Um, there's just been too many times where I've not been brave. And, you know, the only thing that ends up hurting in that scenario is, is me. So even though being brave is scary and even though being courageous and saying the things Sounds like almost the biggest and baddest thing you can do and the most terrifying thing. Can I just encourage you that it is probably one of the most freeing things to do. Um, even if the result is not what you hoped it would be, at least you have an answer. At least you're not sitting on something for 12 years, writing a narrative that isn't true, convincing yourself it's not true, but wrestling with the things that you feel, desire, want and all along all along possibly could have been maybe a part of your story so just some food for thought just some food for thought about that to this day I've like I said for a while probably eight years ago I wrestled with like man that really stunk man that 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 just really bites the big one you know but now I, I, if I could just tell you, you know, no one can rob you of your destiny. No one can steal like the plan for your life that can maybe delay it a little bit. They probably they can't. I don't think they can steal it from you. So um, I just want to encourage you today that be brave. Be, you will never regret being brave. You will never regret being courageous and 
getting it out there and finding out for yourself. Find out for yourself. It's the only way to find the truth. Well, uh, next week's episode, episode 10, I will tell you about the second love of my life. Until then, uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye.